0: We are going deep, and uh, join me once again, Brandon Angelo. I'm Matt Waldman. You can find both of us on X. You can find Brandon, of course, at AngeloFF. Find me, as you see on the screen there. We've got a jam-packed show tonight. We're going to go deep on Tajay Spears, who we wanted to talk about a couple weeks ago, but I think Scat's yes, yes. out of the bag. Yep. Trade and Lance, what went wrong, maybe how to fix it, some under-the-radar movers what we're maybe watching for for college football and then we're gonna comb some waiver wire or excuse me comb some practice squads and talk about notable moves that we saw that that might be worthwhile for your fantasy team down the line especially in dynasty um yeah so Let's just let's get this started with the headliner. I mean, you oh, yeah. you brought it up a couple of weeks ago and we have both been fans. So what do you think of Tajay Spears now? Where you where what are you thinking about his timelines? It been accelerated at this point?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, when you and I talked about him, God going back to draft season, was where is he gonna fit? And I, I right now, if you think of it, he has a very clear path for being uh Potential twenty twenty four RB one of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Um, I don't think Derrick Henry's going to be back. I think this is going to be the year where Mike Vrabel looks and says, "This brand of football is not going to win the AFC anymore." Right? Too much firepower in the division. You know, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jets. Now, I mean, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna beat teams playing ball control, ball control offense. Running Derrick Henry twenty five times a game when he's thirty years old, yeah. So I think Aj Spears fits what the NFL is becoming at the position, and with teams playing so much more too high, I think he's if if the if the Titans end up going in the direction I think they're gonna go, I think Spears is gonna be a tremendous tremendous value going forward, um, and he's a pretty damn good player. When we talk about his movement skill and what he does in the open field and in space with no ACLs um, pretty remarkable. I mean, he's, he's a guy who was a top shelf mover in this class at the position. Um, didn't get treated as such. Cause obviously the injuries went to a smaller school in Tulane, but he's a guy that I think can really take a step up into being a potential upper echelon type back as a runner receiver. Yeah, And I'm super excited to watch him, you know, to watch him grow into a role where I think he he can get significant touches in an off in that offense this year as a hope hopefully spread the ball because they don't have a ton of playmakers um, but I think he's one of them and he should be getting the ball hopefully early and often.
0: Yeah. Now, did we talk about Coper's last time when we were talking about him? Yeah. And and I mean the quick thing I'll say is six hundred gut check columns ago when I was had zero of them. And I was listening to Gil Brandt, you know, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, you know, I was listening to Gil Brandt on, on air talk about it. There's this running back from, um, you know, Villanova had, you know, torn two ACLs. One wasn't even in the game. One, one was slipping on black ice and one was in, in a basketball game. He's had his Florida state scholarship rescinded and he was tearing it up at the senior bowl. Um, basically with two torn ACLs during his college football career and if he was 10 pounds heavier, 2 inches taller he'd be a top 5 overall pick and that got me inspired to be in this industry, that was Brian Westbrook and when you think of Brian Westbrook yeah. or you think of the copers like John Elway and Hines Ward and you yep. think of guys who didn't have ACLs and, and played well if if Tajay Spears moves the way that he does, I mean, when you transition downhill with no extra uh-uh. steps from the way he does, I mean, the guy moves a lot like, I mean, to me, he moves a lot like Jamal Charles. There's a lot of Jamal Charles to this guy's game. He he understands how to initiate contact and move off of it. You could say LaShawn McCoy is another guy. Those two guys are kind of like... Yeah, sh- sh- Shady's an
1: interesting one. I actually thought that one... When- when I was writing some notes today on Spears, it's because they don't lose anything lateral. Yes. From lateral to linear. And yes. that's the one thing that made Shady McCoy nearly unstoppable in the open field. When we talk about the different archetypes of running backs and, and guys that play really well. There's your space creators, there's your anticipators, and those really good blends of runner-receivers. Yeah. There was no one better at creating space for themselves than Lashawn McCoy.
0: Yeah. And I love it, how just, you term the phrase. I just lateral to linear that's I have to take I have to steal that that is such yeah. a wonderful phrase because I'm I'm sitting here in this really bulky you know watching it going you know transitioning from perimeter to downhill yeah, yeah how sure. many steps but now if I could just say lateral to linear and zero steps lateral linear yeah, to one just step. the
1: transitions are just in, just just yeah. seamless and that's that's what really separates you know at the running back position your middle tier guys to your elite guys and that's what makes the difference between a twelve-yard game and a sixty-five-yard touchdown. Yeah,
0: and it makes you so effective on the outside. Yeah, because you can't. 100%. If you if you have to take two or more steps in the NFL game to get downhill, a defensive tackle has probably caught you. You know, or yeah. the backside, especially now. End. Yeah,
1: yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah,
0: safety shooting yeah. the gap, whatever. If you do it in zero steps, man, for, forget it. And then the receiving game that he, you know, in small, this is, he's a great example of a guy who didn't catch the ball much at Tulane, but when he did, it was high leverage situations.
1: Yep, and that's like, that's what, like, for me, when I go back and look at the different types of running backs, like I said, really good runner receivers, the really good ones catch the ball when it matters. We're not talking about just, in the flat on your, you know, on your <laughs> on your fourth region. Okay, we're jumping the ball down, you know, on a first and ten in the first quarter. No, we're talking about like I remember was a play in the, in the Texas Bama game. When it was you know crunch time fourth quarter, you know penultimate drive, and and Jameer Gibbs running a running an angle route. Yeah, you know, or running an arrow
0: route. Or Tulane, they went in overtime on fourth down uh, in the red zone yep. against Houston. And they put him. They put Spears outside and ran yep. a back shoulder fade against yep. man coverage, and he makes the catch perfectly, like a receiver would. Yeah, wins the game.
1: And, yeah, yeah. And and that's the. I mean, you know, I think statistics do speak to it in a certain extent, but that's the that's the stuff. The high leverage situation, the trust that they have in X player, um, that's super important. And if you look at you look back at like Tennessee and what they've like to do is they they do like to spell their Henry up there like they would love to do that consistently they've done it the past couple years with some success but we talk about a guy who can actually spell him on all three downs yes and that's a different different beast and especially now a big big injury that happened that no one's talking about Kyle Phillips. Yes he was gonna start in the slot for them. Yeah you know are we gonna see some Tajay Spears' potential slot snaps with both of them in the game at the same time to really cause a different wrinkle that we didn't see before in that offense. So that's going to be interesting to see.
0: That's a great point because um, Kevin Clark at the Ringer did a really nice piece on Mike Vrabel um, in the profile and something, you know, it was more of a, you know, his career and what he's like as a coach. But one of the, you know, wasn't necessarily a throwaway, but one of the minor points about him that made him has made him a successful coach is that he's he's scheme agnostic and so he's more about how do I put players in situations to to make plays and I think you know I appreciate your points about like look we got Derek Henry there running it 25 times a game and that's not going to fly probably in the future but at the same because he's getting older and they know this is their last shot with and you brought this up last with, time with, yeah, yeah with with Tannehill with deandre hopkins they're they're going we're going to get the band back together one last time and we're going to yeah. see if we can get this to work but yeah they're gonna i think they'll implement stuff with spears if he can shows that he can handle it on the big stage and i think he will i don't think there's no I'm i don't think this is fun. a guy that's yeah but that that thing is going to be nice because also because you said he can do it all four downs and that means that derrick henry they save him like you you know they save him for the playoffs if they can contend and now mm-hmm. you're taking seven to what seven to ten carries off or touches off of his plate maybe 12 to 15 snaps off of his plate you yeah
1: know? i mean you do do that extrapolate that over 17 games yeah you know, even 10 games, if you take seven carries off of Derrick Henry's plate yeah. in 10 games, that is 70 carries. Yeah. yeah. That is a lot for a 30-year-old running back. Yes. And the one thing I think they don't want to do is in the stretch run, they don't want to worn down Derrick Henry. Yeah. And it works both ways. If, if, you know, if you're Mike Rabel, you get a more experienced Tajay Spears by giving him more playing time Yeah. and you get a well-rested Derrick Henry. So that's a perfect marriage for a potential playoff run. So I th- I think really that's going to hopefully be the plan is really start to integrate Spears from day one and utilize him in, in areas where he's going to get in space, do well, get his confidence going, and then really start to give him some touches.
0: Okay. So for folks who are – Listen to this and going. Yeah, I really appreciate this conversation, but all right, let's talk a little fantasy with this. Like how are we going to how are we going to put this in 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 practical terms for fantasy both redraft sure. and dynasty. Like what's your thought in redraft? His ADP I think right now is probably or it used to be around like round fourteen, round fifteen. Yeah, but I don't think it's that low anymore. Do you? I mean, if you're well, drafted I did, in September,
1: yeah, I've done. I did a draft last night, and he was. I was in the fifteenth, and he still has not gone. I picked him up. Wow. Um, That's good. but I think, I, yeah. I mean, I I drafted Derrick Henry, so I kind of I'm like I definitely have to do this. Even if I did, I'm like I definitely have to do this. Yeah. So I think really it's gonna be. There's going to be a few backs this year, and he's one of them. If the starter gets injured, the backup is an RB1. Yes. And yep. the big ones this year are going to be Tajay Spears, Hank Bigsby, and Jalen Warren. Those three guys are league winners at their ADP. If Najee Harris gets injured, Travis Etienne gets injured, or Derek Henry gets injured. Um, and they're all going kind of around the same range in that round 14-plus. I In round 12, gravel. Yeah. It, it, it's well, well worth the risk. Um, there's no risk in round 12. But, yeah, I think really from a fantasy perspective, in redraft, I'd say around round 12, you're, whichever one of those three guys you like the most, um, I think Spears has the most pass-catching upside out of the three. Potentially because we've seen the roles that Rabel likes the the spell guy for Henry to play, and that is usually a tertiary option in the receiving game. Um, but you can't go wrong with either of the three. But, yeah, I would say around there you, you definitely have to hit, roll the dart. Yeah,
0: and and I would add from a, from a redraft perspective, I love the advice for round 12 because then it helps you – really plan out a very clear game plan for how you're going to build your team because in round 12 essentially you're either a lot of people either play a late round quarterback and they're getting their second quarterback or their first quarterback around that time or they're getting that or maybe they're getting their second tight end right uh, as a possibility or doing that late round tight end thing and they get their first guy so really if you're going to you look at Tajay Spears and the argument of getting someone like him is saying, I get a potential league winner and probably a contributor this year who can yeah. be a flex play for me. maybe, yeah. And and in a three or four start, start three or four running back, he might give you that. And if that's the case, then you say, all right, well then that means maybe I go early on tight end this year. And then as soon yeah. as and I get my quarterbacks somewhere between rounds nine to 11, and then I take Spears and then I'm right. in good shape. Or you say, right. nah, man, forget it. I, I want to go for, I want to go a little bit bigger, go bigger, go home. I'm going to get Mahomes because, you know, Waldman over here is probably saying get Mahomes because he was only 50 yards from a record season for the NFL last year and his receivers weren't as good as what he has this year Um, in terms of across the board. He might spread it around more. We might even get, you know, a distance between Mahomes and everybody else this year. And if that happens, then you were good to pick him early and then you can... You can worry about your your other quarterback. You want to pick up Jordan Love. You want to pick up Derek Carr. Whoever is available in rounds, you know, 13, yeah, 14, and fifteen. For sure, one game. And if not, maybe you hit it big on somebody. Go for it. You know, that's you know. yeah.
1: No, I, I I'm a big, you know, I, I like to take like tight end early. So I'm I take my Travis Kelsey, my Mark Andrews, or I just wait. Yeah, that's fine. Quarterbacks, There's five or six that are worth it. And I think the one that is – the two that are falling I've seen a lot and in drafts that I've done it's been the same way, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson for whatever reason. Yeah. Especially if, you're like, you in four point per passing touchdown. Yeah. These are guys that are going to rush for over five points probably, yeah. right, and score eight plus rushing touchdowns. Go ahead and grab them, especially with the, the Monkin offense. Yeah. With Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And Lamar actually has a plethora of weapons. Yeah. Like Flowers, Beckham Jr., a healthy Bateman, hopefully Andrews, Dobbins, yeah, yeah everybody maybe. can
0: run. Everybody can run after the catch. Who's like at the top of, near at or near yeah. the top of that depth chart? Even T- Tylen Wallace can run. Oh, maybe I love not. some Tylan Wallace, You know, man. You know like I oh, talk about him. ACLs. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I was the same way. I love Tylen Wallace. Oh that. my god, I, I had it. him
1: so I was so high on Tylen. He, he was incredible.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. So, dynasty. You know, at this point, you, you know, I know that, you know, the offensive line is rated wor- among the worst in the league in terms of, you know, the people who are, who, who study that kind of thing or at least look at the data. Um, and it hasn't hurt Derrick Henry. Um, right. But they will probably need to revamp that line. We've got... We've basically got Malik Willis and and Will Levis battling, you know, for our, for, I don't know what, you know, if you ask me, I was not high on either of those guys, but, but they were, you know, maybe they'll continue to improve. And Willis obviously showed some improvement in the off season. The fact that Willis is like, you know, I think he's the number two right now. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so too. Uh, I, I, I really likely did in the offseason i think his last preseason game really showed me okay he actually took the coaching and he's he's gotten a whole hell of a lot better and he's made the wild throws good pretty consistently which has been cool um but right now he's you know he's a he's a number two quarterback again yeah. but that's totally fine
0: that's okay the fact that he's made progress is a big yeah. deal i had willis as a draftable quarterback I did not have Levis as a draftable
1: quarterback. I was the same way. And, the yeah, I was kind of I was the same way. And the reason I had Willis a, a lot higher than I had Levis is Willis can bill you out. Yeah. Like, if he has a competent offensive line, which the Titans weren't last year, and we can get into Todd Downing's shortcomings and how awful he was as a play caller, the fact that Nick Ikeny-Westbrook was their best receiver for a long <laughs> right. stretch of the season. I mean, I mean Ikeny-Westbrook. Chris Conley and Jacob Hollister.
0: Yeah. You're, you're talking the, the about journeymen who are on the oh bubbles of God. rosters. I mean, they may be stars oh. in other leagues, but yeah. They've. Oh. Yeah. They're future coaches, maybe. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not great, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Willis can bail you out with his legs. And also, you know, he has the improvisational capabilities that you can't really teach. Levis was so streaky. When he got hot, he got hot but there were some throws on his taper like i don't know how you unteach that
0: yeah i'm sorry if your feet are if your back foot's in one direction and your front foot's in the other and you're and you're trying to click your whole body in place to to be aligned to the target that's not a good deal Mm -hmm. and then you add on other things with decision making and being a beater too late. And,
1: yeah, and and he, yeah. And he was just, he's in, Willis was just a weird eval because, too, and one thing I like to do with quarterbacks, I, I always listen to the interviews because quarterback is such an emotional position in yeah. terms of controlling the temperature of the room around you. Yeah. So important, right? A guy like Willis can do that, right? And people gravitate towards the case. He's an infectious person He seems like an awesome young man levis seemed just a little bit like strange when i listened to his interviews I, I just didn't know what to think of him yeah in terms of being a leader right and that's the number one attribute for really good quarterbacks is leadership yeah it's, it's a huge intangible, um and that was the thing too i remember he it was uh Peyton manning um and tom brady went on to interview some of these guys and they did like a whole panel um and they asked questions and um, some of them asked, like Bryce Young was asking questions about like different reads and things like that, and what they thought and different concepts, blah, blah blah. You know, C.J. Stroud, kind of the same thing. Richardson asked a really awesome question about leadership, and you get to Levis, and he asked about how do I market and brand myself. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. like where, like where, yeah. where? Cart are, before the horse,
0: my man. Yeah, so it's horse. like yeah.
1: if you before the marketing and branding. You got to win the starting quarterback job. Yeah. Right. No one markets and brands a backup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that like, this an interesting eval for me, and also is an interesting spot because off structure quarterbacks don't do well in Tennessee. No. Yeah. So, so what? Know. So, yeah. So, when you look at that landscape,
0: Hopkins will probably be gone, you know, Burks yeah. will be in place. Oconquo will be in place. You know, those are two nice pieces potentially there along with Spears. But, you know, whether they get a free agent quarterback or whether they get, they're probably going to develop one of these guys or try to develop one of these guys or draft next year. And now you have a three-headed young quarterback situation which will be unusual and and some people will pan it some people will go hey if you keep going to the well maybe you'll find an automatic but then it's still at the expense of like the development of the other guys so (laughs) so where does spears fit into this like do you look at him and go oh he's so talented but that feels like a mess do i really want to go after him that hard to the hole in dynasty or you go Look, that'll sort itself out. He's a talent.
1: Yeah. I'm more of the fence of, and you can you can elaborate on this too, of he's that sort of a talent where he can, because he's a good blend of runner-receiver, right? And I think that's going to be important. I think if, let's say, Malik Willis does start, which yeah. could very well happen, I think um, their brass is a little bit probably higher on him than they are on Levis at this point in their respective careers, even though you know Levis' first training camp and everything. Um, you know, if... Willis starts, look at what he did in the preseason and did well. He checked down a lot more. Yeah. And that was a really big part of his game um, this preseason was he got to his check down and he you know, was able to not turn the ball over as much. Still a huge issue for him. But I think moving forward, this is going to be a potential soft rebuild of a team
0: Yeah,
1: where you're going to give Malik Willis or Will Levis one year to prove it. If they don't prove it what happens is you win four games and you're a top five pick that's fine take a quarterback with your top five pick solve your problem right yeah best case scenario you win a couple more games and you think and then you have a quarterback conundrum on your hands of oh malik willis or will levis might be a quarterback of the future for the titans you sign him to a short contract and then there you go so either way i think spears is the least of their worries which is good. Yeah. Um, so I think you have a guy that's going to be a productive NFL player on an offense that utilizes the running back very heavily. So I think either way, it's a win. In um, dynasty, he's definitely a buy, especially if he doesn't get the touches that we think he's going to get early in the season, um, because I think long-term, Derrick Henry going to an, a Titans non-contender probably won't happen.
0: Yeah. If you're looking for – I look at it this way. If you're looking for a source of protein, eggs are a good source of protein. Maybe, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, so sure. you know, maybe I'm being old school about that. But, you know, eggs are a, are a source of protein. And if you're gonna go with eggs, you can you can go over easy or scrambled or, or boiled, you know. At the end of the day, yeah, it may alter things a little bit, but it's still an egg, okay? And when you look at the Titans, their offensive line was was bad. The quarterback play was bad last year. Derrick Henry was RB4 last year in fantasy. Still an egg. Whether it's, you know, whether you look at Ty J Spears and say he's a scrambled egg and you say Derrick Henry is still a there? fried egg, it's still an egg. And so the same thing goes. You look at Nick Chubb. He had Baker Mayfield for multiple years. Still great, you know. Ramondre Stevenson last year. Running back eight, you know. And did he? Ha- and Mac Jones did not have a strong season. No. Bailey Zappi's on a practice squad, and we've got Matt Corral, yeah. who we might talk about later. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, gonna be fascinating. Najee Harris had Kenny Pickett and a bunch of young rookies and an offensive line that wasn't, you know, wasn't yeah. playing all that good. All these guys I just mentioned are top twelve running backs last year. Yeah. So yeah, Tyje Spears. I think. I think you look at this guy, and I think the the thing we can probably conclude is. If you're looking at him as a future running back, one, I'm maybe I'm being too aggressive here. But if you want to trade a second round pick for Tajay Spears, I would I I'd, I'd do it. I, it oh, and would... a,
1: and in a heartbeat because th- you you hit the nail on the head. Where a lot of it is like, look at I always look at like the the offense and then the ecosystem. How does it flow? Right? Yeah. Is this a running back centric offense traditionally? Right? Pittsburgh. Yep. Cleveland, yep. Tennessee, yep. So, Tajay Spears is going to be in an RB centric offense. That's who Mike Vrabel is. That's how he likes to play ball. No matter what, Tajay Spears is going to get touches in both the receiving game and as a rusher. So, absolutely. I'm, you know, a second round rookie pick isn't the safest thing in the world, especially once you get past, you know, pick 14, 15 go ahead take your shot because you know, you can get at the least you're going to get, I think next year you're going to get an RB two or better yeah. if he's a starter first hundred percent. So let's go the other end of the spectrum here and
0: we're going to add Matt corral to this.
1: Okay. because I think
0: it's a worthwhile thing I think to, so. to, to do. So yeah. So we got Trey Lance 49ers, you know, they, they got, they got out from under him traded with Dallas. Dallas seems excited about the idea You know what do you think what i've had conversations with some people i have some theories i'll share and people will hear it again but i'd rather you go first because people have heard my theories probably if they're subscribing to the podcast and uh, and that way too we can use it as a humorous side note too of you know whether you don the sinfoil hat with me or not um on that but tell me what you think went wrong and how you think this needs to be addressed for lance to
1: for sure. I think the biggest thing that went wrong is they realized quarterbacks that aren't in the Shanahan mold are never going to fit the Shanahan. Mold. Thank for you. you. <laughs> it, it is such an intricate system in terms of how they how how offense is played with with that West Coast system. And it's a timing based system. It is not an off structure based system right it's not a freelance based system where if you if you are off structure timing's off then the whole play's dead that is how it's that how that's how it works so if you look at what a guy like let's say put Bailey Zappi in that offense he is gonna be much better than Trey Lance Mac Jones because Mac Jones much better than Trey Lance. Because Trey Lance is too inexperienced at this point in his career to understand the timing of his drop, back, the timing of his region, how all of that kind of fits together into the puzzle, which is the Shanahan system. And now it's one of those things where you, you try to, you basically try to hit the home run when all you need is a single. Yeah, and that's what they tried to do. Is they found this super uber talented quarterback who is inexperienced, but you know what? We think we can get him there. But this guy who had, what, one collegiate season, one full collegiate season, and then you're putting him in probably one of the most, I would say the most complicated offensive system for a quarterback to learn, let alone some with less than 17 games of experience playing the position at a high enough level. I mean, recipe for disaster. And the issue is, like, you go into the season. I was talking with a buddy about this today. You go into the season, and what you do is you're like Jimmy Garoppolo. You are our starter. Trey Lance, you are backing him up. I think that is an awful idea. I think you have to look at Shane Steichen, what he's doing with Anthony Richardson right now, and he's kind of calling the shots in the offense. And he's like Anthony Richardson, you are our starter. You are our captain. We go as you go. We're we're with you for this roller coaster. Great. They didn't have the luxury of the 49ers to do that because they're a championship team. Yep. Right? Great they're offensive a championship line, up,
0: strong defense,
1: all of them. Yep, it. 100%. And so you take this guy who is a, a potential physical transcendent type talent. I mean, Trey Lance is incredible. But what you don't take into account is how do you manage his emotions, right? Yeah. You take a guy and say you're QB2 I would rather you just say, you know what, Trey Lance, you're going to be inactive on game days. You're going to learn what we do the next three years. Let Jimmy ride this thing out, and then you're going to be inserted, and we are going to give you the keys to the city. Yeah. But no, you put him at QB2. Jimmy gets hurt. You insert him. He looks not great. Then he gets hurt the next year, and then you say there's a quarterback controversy? And then what do you do yeah oh okay brock purdy outplays him yeah that's not good and then sam darnold outplays him yeah and then it's over yeah
0: i here's my take and i'm glad what you brought up because we can piece it together because my initial take was it sounds a little tinfoil hatish, but i don't think it is once you really piece it together because and I'm sorry, folks, if you listen to the RSP cast enough, because I've told this story probably the third or fifth time. You know, we'll see. But I I think it's important for those of you maybe who've tuned in, you know, who tuned in Sprackley at, at different points. Kyle Shanahan's dad, who he grew up learning from as a coach, Mike Shanahan, was a wonderful offensive mind and a terrific coach in X's and O's and play calling. Great play caller. Great, great play caller. He's also um had a very dysfunctional way of dealing with um co-workers um and i say that because i've i've heard that in other situations like oh jake Plummer when he was when he helped lead the broncos to the afc championship against the patriots and the next year they drafted um jay cutler and that next year according to you, you know, according to people I know like Cecil Lammy who charted plays they they took out Jake Plummer's best play which was basically a, a sprint off play action to the right throwing the deep post which scored them multiple touchdowns the year before Mike Shanahan took that completely out of the offense they did not run that with Jake Plummer the next year Jake Plummer had the locker room the year before the locker room loved him the next year, he didn't play all that well, but some of his best plays were taken off of the, taken out of the playbook, and he was a, uh, he was bit summarily benched at that point for underperformance. Jake Plummer retired after that season in disgust, and Jay Cutler was put in. Okay, now you might say, oh well, you know that's just one instance, but then let's fast forward to Washington, and Robert Griffin. Oh yeah, Robert, here we go. Robert Griffin gets drafted what oh. number first round first round pick and then they pick kirk cousins later in that draft not not that far after what fourth round third fourth round something yeah, like that fourth yeah fourth, fourth round fourth round okay out of michigan State, so you yes, got sir. you got daniel snyder probably heading the heading the point on getting robert griffin the splash play the top you know one of the top players and then you've got the demand to get that second quarterback with starter quality. Now, in theory, that's a, you know, in theory, I love the idea of getting multiple quarterbacks and trying to hit on them. I'm, I understand that if you're going to manage it in a, a functional sort of way, but then we come to find out, you know, then, you know, two years after, you know, Griffin gets hurt in that playoff game as a rookie, the next year I'm watching him and I'm watching lots of max protect With an offensive line that really couldn't protect him anyway. And then they only had two or three receivers out on routes. And Griffin, nobody was getting open. And Griffin's just getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. I literally wrote an article called The Degradation of a Young Stud. I mean, it's kind of a provocative title. But that was what was going on. Well, you know, Shanahan gets fired. Shanahan's in the press years later. And tells this story. And and the story he tells is... You know, you know, Robert Griffin came to me after the first season and, you know, I know Daniel Snyder put him up to this because, you know, Robert's a good guy. He, you know, he didn't know. He's just a young guy. He wouldn't know how to handle this, but he came to me. And can you believe that he said that he wanted to be developed as a pocket quarterback? And you know, and 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 he felt like he had a chance to be able to develop that way. And could you help him do that? Me, help, help, Can I help him do that? And can you? And I. He'd also like input into the offense, like input on some plays to with play design and play calling. And I mean, come on, Robert didn't know, but I mean, there. Who asks? You know, who? What young player, first year, second year player, asks their coach to to have input in the offense? So I listen to that and I'm going, that doesn't smell right to me. So I ask a scout and a consultant with like 30 teams at the time, or not 30 at the overall, but he's worked with 30 different teams over a long career. He's no longer in the league, but like he's with a scout for four different teams. And I go, so what percentage of players, you know, first after their first year want input into the offense at that time, you know? And he goes, 80 to 90% of the quarterbacks get that. He goes, why? And I explained the story and he goes, oh yeah, no, no, 80 to 90%. And so you look at that and you go, oh, look at Mike. Mike trying to make Robert look like he's just this young, naive guy to support his point to go after Daniel Snyder. So I bring all that up because Kyle Shanahan was on staff. Kyle Shanahan learned some things from his dad. Kyle Shanahan... Always has his guys. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Okay. It's, uh, you know, you said it very well. He, it's a very complex offense. And Trey Lance played in a West Coast offense at North Dakota State. But when you play at North Dakota State and things go off structure and you're a superior athlete, the timing thing isn't as important as it when it happens when you're facing the Minnesota Vikings and, you know, a uh, Sunday night game you know so you and the complexity of defensive reads and coverage reads and all that are are far higher and harder to suss out at the NFL level than it is at North Dakota State so the promise may be there but you know Trey Lance may have had so much success with the timing of drops which you would often see at North Dakota State but he didn't have to face the level of pressure or confusion so he may not have really ingrained the value of that timing that you mentioned. And so right. so when you fast forward to him getting drafted, you could see how they were all, you know, there were people saying, oh, you know, they are all looking at Mac Jones. And then they pulled the switcheroo and picked Trey Lance. But, you know, they didn't really want Mac Jones. They were just fooling everybody. Or was it really that John Lynch wanted... Kyle Shanahan wanted Trey Lance and um Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones because he needed the system it, guy.
1: Yeah, I think that it's a really interesting point you brought up with Robert Griffin the third. Because if you look at how poorly that was managed, especially his injury, that was probably one of the that was probably one of the most egregious misuse of personnel I've ever seen in my life, I mean, and it's the kid that was a point, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, and that was off I me. know, Rob Griffin there was one of the you know he was one of the best rookie quarterbacks ever. Yeah, and just ruined his career. But in this instance, I think it was a little more psychological than physical with Trey Lance, of proving Jimmy Garoppolo is better than you are. What are you going to do about it? Goes and gets hurt. Brock Purdy is better than you are. What are you going to do about it? We're bringing Sam Darnold. Yeah. Yeah. Does the same thing. And it's one of those interesting things where it's, you just, they, he was just never set up for success to begin with. Yeah. Because they, they said, you're going to, you know, we're going to make you battle for this job, knowing full well you're not going to get it. Yeah. And if you do see the field, you're not going to be ready. Yeah. And it's, and with Shanahan, he's a hard coach and that's
0: okay. Coaching hard's fine. You know, Mike Rabel's a hard coach. Yeah. But but the thing is, is that when you watch the record of players that they pick, I honestly think in 10 years we're going to hear John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, there's going to be a story about where one of them says, we didn't see eye to eye on how we pick personnel, and yeah. we were having a cold war with it. Because, you know, you look at the running back position. You know, Shanahan from Atlanta days, Tevin Coleman. You know who had who was a great it was a good gap not even i would say he was a gap runner with great speed he was not a good decision maker he was a runway back exactly so you put him in there and they tried to force him in early shanahan did that was a shanahan guy and and i for sure the team after they saw that it wasn't working the, the coach and staff's like, no man, just put Devonta in there. Devonta can run whatever we need him to. He can't run with speed, but we don't have that quality of line. And they started giving um, um, the Coleman gap plays, even though they didn't run gap plays. And he didn't run gap plays back then. Even back then, he ran much much more zone. He didn't run as many power and toss. But they they did that to keep him on to keep Coleman on the field, but only situationally. Because he couldn't handle the, he had too many ups and downs. But then they take, he takes Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, you know, Elijah Moore, uh, Mitchell, you know. The guys that he were his guys were late round guys or free agents that he brought over. Hoping that I can just, I just want the scheme. The scheme's just going to be like, here's the hole, hit it hard. I don't want nuance, you know. Trey Lance is more of a nuanced back. He's not a hard hole hitting guy. He's more of a Devonta Freeman type of diagnoser that they thought, well, we can train that out of him. Or maybe it was John Lynch going, that's a nuanced runner. And our scouting staff saying, that's a nuanced runner. We like him and we can work with that. And Kyle Shanahan going, I just want a speedy back who's going to go exactly where I tell him to. Because as quarterback coaches have told me, the biggest complaint about off about the West Coast offensive coaches is that they can sometimes see their players as pixels on a screen, and they're the video game controller, yes. as opposed to the as opposed to yeah. a, a Vrabel guy. And it doesn't mean that that that's a bad thing by Kyle Shanahan or all West Coast coaches, but you can see where all this plays into the effect of that the guys that keep getting brought in that didn't pan out maybe could have panned out but somewhere else but they got they basically got rough treatment early and rough treatment early by a guy who was like i just gonna run them out of here so that i don't have to deal with trying to change my system my system is the big thing
1: a hundred percent it goes back to the coach the player in front of you don't coach the system yeah right yeah and that's the issue is Trey Lance is in front of them, but like, don't matter. We're yeah. just going to run the, we're just going to run this, the, the system the way we think we need yeah. to run it. But you run into issues when you make a guy, your your QB two, when your system is designed for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Right. And then let's say you insert Trey Lance into a mid game situation. You're screwed. Yeah. Because he's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. And that's, that that's the crazy thing is you look at what Andy Reid did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Played that perfectly. You don't think Andy Reid knew all camp going into you know rookie year Pat Mahomes? That Pat Mahomes is an unbelievable arm talent and an incredible off-structure QB. Of course he knew. Yeah. But he also knew he needed time to understand NFL defenses, coverage reads, um, leaks and tells, and all that sort of stuff. He knew they had a competent enough quarterback in Alex Smith, a veteran to operate the offense. They didn't need Patrick Mahomes. Spit him the whole year. Yeah. Great. And that's what should have been done with Trey Lance. Is you basically either make the kid inactive, make him QB three, and just help him learn because he's so inexperienced, but instead you stun his development and now he goes to Dallas, where I think he's gonna be next up from Dak Prescott, whenever that is, I I think two years. Yeah. Give or take. But then you have the pressure of being the next desk, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like that's that's tough, man. I mean, yeah, he's gonna have to have he's gonna have to have
0: Jalen Hurts' maturity to handle that, and Jalen Hurts' maturity is a standalone thing. That's not a you you know he is the most
1: he is probably one of the most resilient, I would say, human beings. As an athlete yeah. that I've seen. Yeah, that too. I a, mean to that, go from being benched yeah. in the middle of the national championship game.
0: Standing next to people me, on national TV with the trophy millions being millions
1: watching you. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a man right there. That's a man oh, you aspire, incredible. you know, you aspire to be from that perspective of having that humility, but that confidence, that inner confidence scope. Fine. I'm going somewhere else and i'm gonna and i'm gonna work my way into being yeah that's a that's something else and i you know i hope trey lance can do that but it's yeah but that's a that's a tall order you know so you know do you take the chance on trey lance or do you just hold him if you have him or or are you are you trying to get out from under him
1: if you have him i mean it depends on what you lead me to try and do for me it's like you probably invested really heavily into it, right? Probably a top five rookie pick. Probably right? if you're yeah. in your rookie drafts, if you have in startup draft, probably a top five round pick, right? Yeah. So it's like you kind of hold them and see. Um but it's it's so tough, man, because you're holding them for probably two or more years. Yeah. Yeah. But the the hit rate on let's say you get a third round rookie pick for them, the hit rate on third round rookie picks is really low. Yeah. So it about it evens out but i mean i'm taking you know a, a talent like freelance those guys can be awesome awesome stars and some guys are just late bloomers look at gino smith right i mean it, it takes time to to some for some to be a competent or above nfl quarterback yeah so steve, steve Young needed part. to
0: sit behind montana for a long time and he was awful. 100 aaron Hopefully. aaron Rodgers. and yeah, yeah.
1: the list the list goes on
0: yeah. i'll, I'll... I'm. I have Trey Lance in a lot of leagues. I'm just holding on to him. Most of them are deep rosters. For so sure. Have the luxury, but 100%. yeah, and it's a great point. And I think that you know, I'll just put it this way. Um, I honestly think that Christian McCaffrey was John Lynch going, okay. I'm putting you in a quarter, Kyle. We're gonna go get this guy, and he is the runner who isn't gonna just go where you want him to go. He's gonna do whatever the fuck he wants to and it's gonna be the right answer ninety nine percent of the time. How are you <laughs> gonna use him now? Are you gonna are you gonna yeah. complain to me about that? Or are you gonna try and or are you gonna try and put like a late round pick guy in who you know, good for that guy, but he's nowhere yeah. near that. Because if Kyle doesn't make Christian McCaffrey the Ladanian Tomlinson of this generation in that offense, and they lose, he's gone. He's gone. I don't care how good of a, how much of a genius he is. He's gone. And then you're going to start hearing all this stuff. If he,
1: if- yeah, I think in general, I mean, there's an interesting Jimmy Garoppolo did an interview, and he kind of alluded to that. It was kind of like a you'll you'll see one day type deal. But then I also heard too, like about a year ago, about Debo Samuel. And one of the reasons they brought in McCaffrey, I think, was because they got so freaking frustrated with Debo Samuel. Yeah. Debo wanted to be treated like he's the superstar of the league. Yeah. And then got pissed when they brought in McCaffrey. Wow. But then he's like, you know what? I want to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's not a very good receiver.
0: No, he's a he's a great open field runner yeah. who can catch the ball, but his route running, his releases, they're not Brandon Ayuk is gonna be the top guy if you're gonna look from a standpoint of who's the go to guy. You know, I mean, he might very well have that opportunity if he continues
1: to build on the route skills that he has. So yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean McCaffrey's a much more complete player. And I think the thing is you can you know what you're getting from McCaffrey down the down. Yeah. You don't know what you're getting from Debo Samuel down to down. I think that the front office is starting to understand with the injuries to to Debo, um, which had been very frequent throughout his young career. It's that piece of it of you want a more consistent down the down guy that yeah. can do both and do both better than Debo can. Um yeah. but it's it's an, it's gonna this is gonna be one of those um thirty for thirty type deals. Yes. In in fifteen years, we're gonna George Kittle commentating on this and yep. it's gonna be great. Yeah. Um. But it, it's been an interesting ride with that offense to see all the changes that have gone on, and you know how some of these guys are received by their teammates and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and people are complicated. You know, I I feel like I'm banging on Kyle Shanahan a ton, but at the same time, I understand how he got into this situation in, in terms of if you believe in your system and your system's had success, and you grew up with a dad whose system has won Super Bowls, and you and you know you see how this goes you know you you may feel like you have a bully pulpit and right but at the same time you know that's where maybe growth is can be helpful so all right so who are some under the radar movers now that we've thoroughly exhausted spears lance oh we didn't even get to matt corral we can go let's do that one quick because matt corral matt corral goes to the to the patriots okay I personally, I love this, you know, not that, yeah, not, for that sure. not that he's ready to take on a Bill O'Brien offense at this point, though. O'Brien does a lot of RPO work, you know, so yep. that, that could be helpful, but I thought Corral, I thought Corral had some of the best potential of the quarterbacks in last year's class, which wasn't strong in, in terms of the overall value. Right. But I feel like, you know, from what I saw, he's good off stru- He's very good off structure. Um, and I thought his pocket skill was pretty darn good. And it just was a matter of, you know, having an offense that, getting used to playing in an offense that, again, more timing, more, right. you, you know, more sophistication. He didn't play, you know, Lane Kiffin's offense wasn't
1: heavy on the sophistication. No, I think that's a huge deal. I, I like this spot especially because you get to learn how to be a professional. Yes. Right. Especially in a you know, Belichick. <laughs> room anywhere in that building, if you're not a professional, you're, you're out the door. Right. And yeah. I think that's why one of the guys that you love and I can echo that too, is hey, Sean Booty. Yes. Right. Thank you. You, you learn to be a professional or we're cutting you. Yeah. And it's that simple. Yeah. And look what's happened. Right. I think that that's be a huge deal when you get that type of accountability. In, in a in a quarterback room, especially with, with a guy like Matt Corral, is it elevates your level of play because you have to live and breathe football. Yeah, right. And for Matt Corral to be a to be a starting caliber NFL quarterback, that's what he has to do. Has to be a professional. Has to learn the ins and outs of the game and the position to be able to lead a team as their QB one um will it happen in new england i don't know but yeah. this just elevates his this is the spot that will elevate his chances i think the most out of anywhere in the league because it gives you the opportunity to actually learn from one of the greatest minds of all time and build belt check, right so yeah. i'm a huge fan of it i liked corral coming out um uh his off structure ability is really impressive really good on rpos um but a lot of the timing and everything too is the too many mistakes, right? Same yeah. with like Malik Willis in that class too, and um same with a lot of those guys because you know the, their draft capital wasn't great, and that no. told us something. um But yeah, I think it's interesting because I, he's going to get a chance to learn, which is important.
0: Yeah. If you know, this is one of those situations where it's almost like it's sink or swim. This is the best path. Yeah. This is the best thing. You're going to know quickly, and what I mean quickly is you're going to know when this stop. Once, yeah. once. If if he gets cut from this stop, then you can pretty much ride him off, and maybe you'll be maybe we'll be wrong, but the percentage will be very low. But if but he's he is instantly the most physically talented quarterback on that in roster. the room. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Maybe yeah. Malik Cunningham, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, that's I'm an sorry. interesting that's yes. an
1: interesting one too. But um, but yeah, I mean that I, I I like Corral there. I mean, yeah. it, like you said, sink or swim. If he doesn't doesn't pan out, we know he's not going to pan
0: out. Yeah. Alright, so who are some under the radar movers for you? Like that you've kept your eye on this this preseason.
1: I think the three that come to mind, Chris Evans since okay. That's a big one because I think that, that Smage, P Pirine, you know, departure is bigger than people think. Because Smage, P. Pirine was just implemented in terms of you're really reliable, you can do maybe eighty percent of what mixing can do. But you're reliable 100 percent of the time, which Mixon isn't. And I don't think people understand that Joe Mixon is a very good physically, physically gifted player, but the between the ears stuff yeah. hasn't hasn't ever been there. Which is okay. You can get away with it. And this offense with Joe Burrow leading the charge, he's gonna get a lot of second-level opportunities. Early on in his career, didn't get away with it now he can but a guy like chris evans takes a lot off the plate in terms of in my opinion the receiving capabilities because chris evans is a really natural receiver and it seems like he's really improved as as a pass protector which i think was the number which is number one reason p ryan was so valuable is he kept joe burrow clean and evans i think this this offseason what i've heard you know what i've read and also, what I've seen from their pre, from those preseason games has been able to do that. Uh, second one is Tyler Scott in Chicago. Uh, um yeah. I like Tyler Scott, man. I think I think he's a good. I think he's gonna be a really good player. Uh, one day, I think he's better than Chase Claypool. Um, I agree, a hundred percent. I'm not a huge fan of Chase Claypool, but I think Tyler Scott's gonna be one of those. He's going to be one of those guys that that pops as a returner. I think a kick returner. And then oh okay this kid can play. And then one of the got Mooney or Claypool or someone's gonna go down for a couple series and they're gonna insert Tyler Scott and you can be you know he's a he's a kid that can take an ADR in one touch right. Um, and then the last one's the Mario Douglas ah yes <laughs> and that's a fun one because you know when I was watching Malik Willis at Liberty he was the one guy that I'm like who the heck is this yeah. And it happened over and over and over again. And then the, then the watchman the preseason. Then you hear all these big reports, like, Douglas is wide receiver one right now in this offense. And I'm like, the Mario Douglas? And he kept doing it. And you see him really play a preseason snap. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. I mean, he literally, it might be. They won starters. Douglas? smith schuster and born right and kendrick Bourne, yeah and that's crazy to me yeah but uh, hey if you impress bill belichick as a rookie i mean that's something think of the, who was the last rookie wide receiver to start with bill Belichick? i don't Ken know Bre-
0: kenbrell tompkins because i liked oh, him holy and then he cow kept you're dropping, right he kept dropping passes with brady and it was because he had a huge ah, camp right. and he was the undrafted free agent who was like related to i think it related to antonio brown maybe it
1: wasn't i think it was a, I think it was a b yeah yeah right.
0: and i loved me some ken tompkins what's so funny is my twitter still has a search memory of ken tompkins oh, whenever i pull it up pull up search it still that's says ken tompkins that's um, crazy yeah, yeah it's been a minute it has been a while but those are great those are great options yeah because DeMar Douglas kind of played a Tyreek Hill type of role for Liberty. Obviously yeah. he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's he he's that guy that when you watch him you go, Oh yeah, I can see how he plays yeah. that he could be the third or fourth receiver within a year or two, you know. For and, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, how about you? All right. So one of them one of them's definitely Chris Brooks. Um, yeah, with the sure. with the Jeff Wilson move to IR, you know Salvin Ahmed is a proven guy. Has played was you know picked up as a undrafted free agent out of Washington by the Forty ers and and you know then moved over here with McDaniel to the uh, to the Dolphins and he can catch. He's got some burst. I don't think he's a he's not a very powerful runner. He's he's kind of in that like a younger Miles Gaskin without Gaskin's savvy. But a little more yeah. more juice you know yeah it's so and maybe they feel like that's cool but chris brooks for like it's been two years for two years i've been sitting here going i love this back i know he's not like a draftable guy but um you at least in the way that people are going to see him but you watch him at cal and he runs through people at 2 30. Yeah, yeah and he fun. catches the ball on on like wheel routes and bullet routes. And like, I'm watching this guy then also make plays in the red zone and get targeted in the red zone and work his way open and make adjustments as a receiver. And then it's like, okay, as I'm watching him, he's a good zone runner. He can, you know, better inside zone than outside zone, obviously, because he doesn't have great juice, but he's got burst. He's got enough burst that you look at me and go, okay, he's in that mold of, like, if James Conner and, at his best is, like, the aspirational player and, like, Mike Anderson and Gus Edwards are, like, in that middle, you know, Chris Brooks ain't that far away, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's Alfred Morris.
0: Yeah, hey, there you go. Alfred,
1: Alfred Morris With receiving because, chops, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one thing Alfred Morris couldn't do for the life of which is fine. Yeah. But – Fundamentally sound runner who brings it and has enough speed to threaten backers. Yeah, and and that's
0: right? and in an offense like that, that you're just trying to open holes. This is a guy who gets you hard yards, and he gets smart yards, yep. and yep. that's he's
1: your, he's your energy giver, and that's a that's a super important role in, in offense, and that's going to be a, honestly throughout the league, it's going to be a really growing role. Yeah, because you get your guys like Jamal Williams. Will yeah. forever have a spot on an NFL roster because that is his role. He's the energy giver, he gets to high leverage, short yards, low red zone. Cool. Yeah.
0: Jaleel Jaleel McLaughlin, I've been yeah. writing about him it's since huge one. Oh, like yeah. January. And my my comp for him was another guy with passing skills and another guy who didn't have it, which was and ironically you're gonna laugh when i say it. the guy that came to mind to me was philip Lindsay. yeah with i knew it. skills yeah. you know Oh yeah and it's like when you watch him the thing that just totally blew me away was how good he was at getting skinny through creases he had no fear manipulating tight creases and hitting the hole with the decisiveness you want and being able to like at least take on safeties And do it in a way where he was going to get the better of them. Like, he knew how to angle himself to win in in collisions and not hurt himself doing so.
1: No, 100%. I mean, I I say it all the time with, like, with backs who are smaller in stature, using your speed into power is your best asset, Yeah. right? If you're a good accelerator, good enough accelerator, that is going to have safety. It's not going to scare them. They're going to be second-guessing if you do that a couple times. You come up to the third level, and they're like, "What are we? What? Are, what is he going to do?" Yeah, and that's a super important trait, and that's what Philip Lindsay had. Yes, he was freaking a he was a pit bull. Yeah, yes, right. And that was the that was the best part of Philip Lindsay's game, is he was a hundred miles an hour, a hundred percent of the time. He was small Isaiah Pacheco.
0: Yeah, and he's a smart, but he was a very smart runner, very brilliant, smart decision maker. brilliant feet. Yes. Yes. And Jaleel McLaughlin's got something there that the team apparently today has reported that, that the team has really like taken a shine to this guy. Like they really like I mean, the P players is, are
1: bought in. I mean yeah. I mean with I mean with P Ryan's a tractor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you you put P Ryan on third downs and you just let him play you, you let him you let him do his thing, man. Yeah. You you let him keep Russell clean and that's it. You yeah. know? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, so he's he's definitely one. And then,
0: I mean, I could pick a few receivers here. You know, I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to Rakeem Jarrett just because he yeah, went from... Yeah, Tampa, yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I knew that he was going to make a roster because he covered punts well and that he was a five-star athlete. But he's yeah. he's refined his hands positions enough, at least watching his attack in the preseason going, okay, maybe he's catching on here. And if he does... You know, could be a could be a slot receiver for them. Could be their starting slot receiver, even
1: with Trey Palmer.
0: You know, there. So that's yeah, one. It,
1: it, that's a, that's a super interesting one too because yeah. you look at the, what that team is going to be like in two years. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mike Evans is probably going to be gone. Yeah, Chris Godwin's probably going to be gone. They're going to have a new quarterback. I mean, one of he here, Trey Palmer is probably going to start. I think has a chance at starting in the yeah. next two years, yeah. and who knows? I mean, right as a as a power slot, you can do way worse than Jarrett. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a that's a fascinating
0: one, and then I'll add uh Erica Zukanma, uh, back in Miami. Miami yeah. You know, yeah. powerful runner after the catch, good contested catch guy, um, good concentration, but maybe needed work with his route running, and here he yeah. is with Wes Welker as his coach and Wes Welker, probably a little partial to those Texas tech guys, you know, a little bit. And he did recently say, Eric's a freak of an athlete and we're, and said some positive things about him and what he's working on. And there might be a chance when you look at this tight end room. I mean, listen, Tyler Croft is a professional. He just can't stay healthy. Like, I think that he's been on multiple teams because he can block competently. He is a silky smooth receiver in zone. And he can win a little bit underneath a man, but he just can't stay healthy. Um, then you look at Durham Smythe, and he's like the everyman kind of... He's like the Anthony Fasano of this era. You sure, know? yeah, you know? for sure. You know, he, he he's he's that Notre Dame tight end who can basically... Make some tough plays, but he's not a matchup threat, really. Um, unless you, you know, in most cases. So who else do they have after that? They don't. They So maybe we use a big wide receiver who's a little physical, and instead of going consistently with tight ends and we, you know, in two tight end sets, we do more eleven personnel and let Azucon be kind of our middle of the field enforcer, give him some more two way goes and
1: let him run. You know. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's interesting you said that because you know with with uh, chosen Anderson, um, his departure, their third receiver is Braxton Berrios or Cedric Wilson Jr. Yes. So, long term there might be an audition for a guy like Azukama. and I liked him a lot coming out of Texas Tech too, yeah. because he had a lot to offer you after the catch for a bigger receiver. Less. And not just the, uh, I'm going to you know be bigger, faster, stronger than a couple guys. No, I'm going to win with some some nuance in the open field and get by some guys and make really interesting plays from a movement perspective. I loved seeing that out of him in the open field of the Texans. And I think in terms of a yard after catch, I think he offers more to you than Wilson and Berrios from a, no doubt. From a depth standpoint. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think That'll be interesting too. It'll be interesting too if, if they want to bring Jalen Waddle back a little more slowly from whatever injury he has. If they use Azukanma on some of those underneath, those shallow crossers, so to speak, that Waddle runs really well, yeah. right? Use him there and take a little bit off Waddle's play from a snap count standpoint. So that'll be interesting too.
0: So I'm going to just put a footnote on Chris Brooks and say this since we're still in Miami and we're yeah, going to yeah, move yeah. on. One of the things that caught my eye, just a little layer that I thought, oh, this might be a real positive, is you know who represents him? Zach no. Zach Zenner.
1: No way. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hang on. So Zach Zach Zenner Zach Lenner's a sports agent
0: now. I think so. He's Get either a trader or here. a sports agent. But he Get out of when here. when they were at the hula bowl and, and Chris that. Brooks was tearing up the hula bowl, Zach Zenner was retweeting some of my stuff and then also like writing about how, you know, how he was work they were he was a client, you know that that, that that's well, funny was a i didn't client. know that. And so that made me feel good not because oh, it's a former running back, but right yes it is. A well, former running back, a former running back who went either seventh round or undrafted and made a team. So if there's a guy you know if there was that was a smart choice if you ask me like maybe you don't know from a negotiation standpoint That's all funny. that was that but if i were yeah. a running back who knew that like i'm just trying to get in the league Ooh. and a guy comes to me and goes i got into the league and i That's was in funny. your shoes and i was a you know i'm a big i was a fast back who i watched i did a spoiler room episode or film room episode with the head of, who is now, Alex Brown, who is now the head, the director of recruiting at SMU. One of my first boiler rooms was on Zach Zenner. Him and I watched him. So it was really kind of funny, funny. full circle that That we ended up with Zenner, so so yeah it's just that choice. And I looked at that like back in December or January, whenever it was, and I was going, It's a good choice. Yeah. That's a good, that's a smart choice. I like this guy, that Berkeley education, it, you know, oh, it's kind it, it, in. It's, handy. Well, there you go. That's funny. So, you know, heck, we're already over an hour. Do you want to go a little bit more? or Where do you think?
1: Sure. Okay. You, let's,
0: let's, just... let's, 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 let's look at some guys on the waiver wire or like, not on the waiver wire on um, practice <laughs> squads that, just caught our eye so who's somebody that you're like they you know we talked about matt corral obviously um we talked about miles gaskin getting moved over and signed and he's on the active roster yeah um you, you know and i'll just add ty chandler you might want to look out because that's a guy who's who's a you know yeah. a smooth veteran yeah. who knows his stuff but like who else comes to mind for you
1: Oh man, I have a couple of them. And I think the one that's a couple are interesting. I think one in Jacksonville we have Jacob Harris. Oh, I love him. <laughs> because I, loved him. I think he can be Evan Ingram. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he put – so he came out and the Rams transitioned into tight end, from my from my understanding. And then he had the ACL injury. Um and then got caught and then all that stuff happened but i think he's a very much an evan ingram type player from a physical standpoint right he's strong he's fast not much of a blocker um but that's an interesting one to me um the giants and tyree jackson's one that's interesting because you have you know you've darren waller there now so that's one that i think i have you know i have my pulse on um who's a couple others i think Zonovan a Knight yes. the choice they don't you. they don't they don't have a third back yeah they they literally do not have an rb3 so I think Zonovan Knight offers you the more David Montgomery than Jameer Gibbs I mean if Gibbs get hurt if Gibbs gets hurt that's gonna be a massive blow to their their plan Ben Johnson's plans for that offense yeah right? you can't replicating him is much difficult much more difficult than replicating a David Montgomery type right um, but if David Montgomery gets hurt those touches are the low red zone high leverage are probably gonna get a Gibbs they are gonna get a probably out of the night which is a pretty interesting role um and then also Patrick Taylor who yeah. lit up the preseason by the way. If Aaron Jones isn't back next year, they might run their RB2 as Patrick Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Which you could do. I mean, if he develops, you could do way worse. I, you know, I think he's he's a guy in the preseason that showed he can handle a lot. But with that offense, you know, A.J. Dillon, I don't know, I don't know what you're going to give A.J. Dillon from a. Like a load standpoint, are you going to be able to give him you know, 75% touches? Probably not. So I think that's an interesting one for me when you look at Patrick Taylor, what he did in the preseason. They clearly like him enough to you know, put him on their practice squad. Yeah. Um, if Aaron Jones isn't there for whatever reason next year, um, he could be someone that sneaks into the RB2 role in Green Bay.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because the guy that I was kind of a fan of was the other running back, which was um Tyler Goodson who was waived injured just because I I knew someone who basically, or he's back on IR. So they put him on IR, it looks like, um, 12 hours ago. So uh, he, because he can catch. He's definitely a good pass catcher. And he ran a system at Iowa where they were very strict about what they wanted him to do on wide zone um, and I was I was told that the playbook basically was saying, we don't have a line good enough to allow him to do cutbacks. So we just don't, we took it out of the playbook and Goodson's a good cutback player. He just didn't get to do it a lot. So I'm. Um, he, he had, an, he didn't have as good of a preseason, I think as Taylor did, but he was, he was still, he still had some, some nice moments. So he was a guy that I was looking at, but Hassan Hall, the running back from Georgia tech by way of Buffalo, I think who's with Cleveland, um, he had some good moments. He's a good receiver, good return man. He's on the Browns practice squad. I even got um Russ, Land- Russ Landy, the uh um former national scout for the Alouettes and former NFL scout, who's you know I've done we've done shows for the past few years together. He called, he texted me one day, and he goes, "What did you have for Hassan Hall? Wanted to know about Hassan Hall because he he saw him in the preseason and was like." that Run. dude runs hard like i yeah. i like what i saw you know and i was like yeah i i like to hall he was definitely a a notable player and it was a good fit over there so he certainly fit the bill for me um you know other guys that that you know you know certainly looked the part you know that that i was thinking about elisha higgins like i you know I know that yeah. he's a wide receiver trying to be a tight end, and but he, you knew that he was going to get that memo early, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Elijah Higgins would have stayed on the roster if they didn't have the issues they had at running back.
1: And uh, no, I, I, I no, I know I agree with you 100. Yeah, percent Yeah, yeah,
0: because you know, so it wasn't like he was awful in camp. I mean, it's just he had to learn how to, to learn how to block. And he has to, to to get better in that in that regard. At a, it's a full time tight end. So when five teams go to try and get you, you know that the Miami was like, oh God, we got to lose him. And it was probably like that whole thing. They were like, this Chris Brooks kid is like giving us headaches, you know. Or or it was the whole, Mike White's been hurt all preseason. We brought him in to compete with Skylar Thompson. And while Thompson didn't play as well as I hoped he would personally. um they're like we got to roll with Skyler and and right. keep and we're gonna have to keep White too. We got to keep this kid Brooks because he's been too good and we might need him. Right. So, shoot, we got to get rid of Higgins. So, so that guy, you know, especially when you look at the Cardinals and you think they've they're what is it uh, his, his Petzing Zach Petzing or I don't know what his his first name is, but Petzing is the 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 offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback coach. Yes, for Cleveland. yes, 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 yes. So, they're probably running a lot of elements of oh Cleveland's offense, which is you know multiple tight ends at times. You know, yeah, so they
1: brought Josh Dobbs in.
0: They brought Josh Dobbs in. This yeah. is a this is a Cleveland Browns. Offense in many respects, where they're going to run the ball a little bit more. You got James <laughs> Conner, and you've got Keontae Ingram, who uh, another favorite uh, yes, of ours, yes, you yes. know, who is Absolutely. like so. Maybe they go, you know, we oh need, we may need more than Trey McBride. Zach Ertz is going to be gone, you yeah. know. We may need another guy who we can put into this mix, and you know, and go from there. And whether it's Tune or Dobbs or or. Or we talked about Murray already, so who they? Whether it's oh, Caleb know. Williams or Drake May or or Penix or whoever it is. That I mean, they they, go g- after.
1: they they are firmly the number one. in The Caleb Williams sweeps. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Do they win two games this year?
0: No, I don't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. See? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I. I mean, this is if Dobbs, if Dobbs. Dobbs to me is the perfect representation of when people say, you know, when people talk about quarterbacks and they say, when we scout them, it's about smarts. Um, I go, Josh Dobbs is a rocket scientist, literally really? was an aerospace and ed- engineer, you know, Yeah. but Brett Favre is far as far away from a rocket scientist as you want to get. But you know, on the football field, the intelligence that applies to playing football is different than what it is to designing rockets, you know? And I think that Josh Dobbs is a good example of that. And he's gotten better, you know, he has gotten better, but we're not going to mistake him for anybody as an NFL starter at this stage, you know? So, yeah,
1: no, hundred percent. He can, you can see, especially last year with how easily he picked up the Tennessee Titans offense, which wasn't overly complicated. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can just toss him in any system. He's he'll yeah. learn it. The, the can he execute things at a high level?
0: Yeah, you because
1: that, that that's not him. Like he's just he's a middle of the road backup. Yeah, but the
0: quick thinking isn't there. The quick thinking yeah, confidence yeah. of execution that you have to have
1: a hundred percent. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if you start Josh Dobbs for for seventeen games, I don't know how many I, you win. I'll end it in Green Bay um,
0: again, like you did. Um, though I love the I love the Zonovan Knight. You've got to keep an eye on Zonovan Knight. There's yeah, I sure. second that one so wholeheartedly. I'll say Grant Dubose, the Charlotte wide receiver, okay. who got hurt early in the year and really never fully caught up. Um Dontavian Wicks looked pretty good. Um you, you know, yeah. and so he's made the active Who's roster. But but I think Samori Terre could be in trouble with Grant DeBose in a year. Like, that would be one that I would go, keep an eye out for that. And if either Romeo Dubs or Christian Watson end up somewhere else or somebody flames out, you know, and I'm, I, I'm rooting for Romeo Dubs, and I know that a lot of people have him as a breakout player, but he's one of those players that I worry about is he's great with everything up to the catch point. And I know that he had a 60% catch rate in contested situations according i think pff but i'm you know to me it's the technique over the stat the the data tracking and i understand that terry mclaurin like i joke is the bumblebee of receivers that you know physically it shouldn't happen by the rule of physics but like he does it anyway Dubs, I I need to see more proof before I I'm bought yeah. into
1: that, you know. Yeah, and it, it's funny because like those guys, it's it's the 99th percentile. yeah, right. And that's like the all oh, that's going to succeed, right? There's guys in the past, Des Bryant, yeah, right. Yeah. Like there's guys that are just just unnatural catchers, but it works because stylistically that that's who they are, and they're at the upper percentile of of playmakers, yeah. right?
0: Yeah one the last one i guess would be denaric prince i'm not a huge denaric prince fan compared yeah, to other same. people but like you know he's got some footwork issues that i think cause some balance stuff and but he's got some burst he can run with power he can catch the ball um you know i think i think the idea that he's ready to take over if if the shot comes is not quite that and i think the fact that he got cut and added to the practice squad is probably indication of that but i think that he can be he can give you a little of the daryl williams type of thing without yeah, being as savvy sure. as daryl was you know if daryl had burst he would have been a starter you know
1: that, yeah 100 percent.
0: yeah so look this was a this show this show so much fun and we hope that you you know, enjoyed the hour and 20 absolutely. minutes that this is rolling up on. I'm sure we could have gone a lot further, but, you know, we've got other things we got to do. We know you got other things that you got to do. Hopefully this was a fun, long drive for you or, absolutely. You, you know, or knock out a, a good workout, you know, so, absolutely, you know, on behalf of Angelo, you can find Angelo at, you know, Angelo FF. You can yeah. find me at Matt Waldman and, uh, you know, Thanks again, and we'll see you probably in a couple of weeks. We yes, do a sir. Couple of Absolutely. Month. All right. Take care,
1: everyone.